Don't fuss me. I don't know how to. did have a clip on. I'm out of service now. Okay, so today we are starting on the last benefit of um, last benefit of knowing God. Our benefit one was know God and believe Him. Benefit two was glorify God. Benefit three was find satisfaction in God. And benefit four was experiencing God's peace. Uh, benefit five is what we're talking about today, and it's enjoying God's presence. Um, now, it says, have one or more of the how have one or more of the first benefits affected you? In other words, which one do you feel like you, you can relate to more or has that you've learned more about that's helped you more? Do you, do you have one that's helped you more? For me, I said I find myself more and more trying to find my satisfaction just in just God, not letting other things, you know, creep in and try to take over because we all have those little mm, time stealers right okay that take us away from God so I've been trying to find my satisfaction more there so that one is number three so this one is number three so for me number three kind of struck me okay finding your satisfaction in God in God alone um, now that sounds easy but in today's world, that's kind of hard. <laughs> so, do you have one that's meant more to you than another? Does anybody want to speak up? More the peace. The peace? Yeah, it's not a very peaceful time we live in, is it? No. So, yes, peace has got to be in God. So, even when there's... Don't you know that the Christians in Ukraine are trying to find peace in God? Definitely right now because there's no peace around them. And if you could move on to five, four and five kind of go together. Yeah, four. Well, all of these kind of go together, but four yeah. and five, experiencing God's peace and enjoying God's presence. When you're in God's presence, it's easier to experience His peace. Now, as we are with five, um, have you noticed a benefit? We've been talking more and more about praying scripture. And praying scripture back to him have you noticed a benefit from that have you noticed something that may, maybe if this was new to you or something that you didn't do this before I told you to me this seemed logical and it's something that it's just a way I've always related to it when when I'm praying or when I'm studying but come to find out a lot of people don't relate to it in that way you know personalize it because that, that's what I call personalizing the scripture to, you know. So, how has that helped you? Helps to understand God's word better. And how God does relate to us through his word. Yes. It's a way of listening to God. Yes, because I think that uh, we're living in a day and time where a lot of people just think, well, it's just a dusty old book. And, uh, you know, the stories are and the history is just as relevant today as it ever was. It's just ears to listen and eyes to see. <laughs> um, Linda, is there anything that stuck out to you about it just so far? Praying more. Just praying more. It just helps you to pray more. Is there anything that it's affected you with or changed for you? 
like I said, pray a little more. Thank, I think I'm a little bit more. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> think a little bit more about what you're praying. Well, uh, yeah. I reach out. You pray more for other things. Well, I, I don't put myself. Cause Susan used to get on me because. She'd say, well, even going through a Walmart parking lot, I'd pray for her, please, Lord, give me a parking lot up front. But I would be bad. I wouldn't pray for myself. I'd be thinking I'm, that was selfish, you know. I'd put other people. Well, it's, o now, it's okay times, to pray for other people first, but we have to put ourselves in there too. Because if we don't pray for ourselves somewhere in the mix, we tend to lose our focus. And our sanity. So I've got yeah. a little bit better at that, but I mean, there's still times that I don't, but. Well, you know, that thumb, <laughs> we do all, if you do the praying hand, like with you, we do with the kids, that thumb pointing back at you, yeah, you need to end up your your prayer. Or you point somebody, you got yeah, more hands. Now you start there. with somebody else, <laughs> yeah, but you you need to end up praying for you. Now, is that selfish? No, because what we need to do is stay focused. We've learned that. We've got to stay focused. Jesus prayed for himself. Yeah. And I don't so, I don't see you know, Jesus as being selfish at all, do y'all? No. Um well, he had a reason to <laughs> Well and we I also but I mean, we're all on that line. But he's a, he was for all of us. For all of us. And yeah. now how many of you have been asked this question? You know, we've been talking about witnessing to other people, especially young women. We've been talking about that a lot lately. How many of you have ever received this question where, well, if God is so good, why are there hungry children in the world? Why is there this? Why, is, why are there poor people? You know. Um, well, did you ever realize, and I mean, I, I, was, I was listening to something the other day or I had seen something on one of my little scripture things that pops up. And I was thinking about it, and this is very true. You know, according to the Bible, it's not God's, the poor people. He said they would always be with us. The poor would always be with us, right? Mm -hmm. Did you know they're not really his responsibility? They're ours. Yeah, they're our responsibility. And the reason they will always be with us is we're not always so good at being the hands and feet like we're supposed to be. Um, well, back in Moses's time, they wrote laws just to help the poor and strangers and widows and orphaned. Yeah. That they they had they had laws in place to help those people. Yeah, if we I mean, had we been, saw that in in the Book of Ruth. Now think about it, if we've been as thoughtful as we should be as as Christians, as you know, at that time they, they were all Jews. Um, then we wouldn't have needed the laws. No. The laws were to point us to what we should be doing anyway. Yeah, they should have been doing those. They, and they had to have laws in order to point, this is what you should be doing. And Jesus yeah. put another one in there, go to the prisons. And God is concerned with the big picture. And it's not that he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. It's not that he doesn't care. But he did provide for them. He provided us. Do you understand mm -hmm. now? That is part of your mission. That is part of, you know, like the backpacks to help the ones that can't afford it 
or because, you know, they're trying to afford lunch for their kids or clothes for their kids, too. Um, different things like that. We are to help each other and to help other people. And that is part of how we're supposed to point people towards Jesus. So when people say these things, they don't realize and they don't understand that there is an order to things. God didn't create chaos. I tell the, the four-year-olds all the time, God gave you hands to help people, not to hurt people, because they just, you know, they get mad at each other and they want to smack each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, God gave you hands to help people, and you're hurting your friends. Well, as adults, we tend to do some of the same things. Now, think about it. When's the last time you were hurt by somebody? If you think about it, you can, you can probably think just, you know, a few days ago or something. Someone hurt your feelings. They said something. They did something. They didn't understand you. Okay. Little kids are the same way, but we still do the same thing as adults. We don't think sometimes. And God wants us to think of other people, and he wants us to be kind, and he wants us to be his hands and his feet. Now, this is part of knowing him. This is part of uh, all these benefits should lead us towards that. Now, um, I have noticed that even when I, if I, if I begin to feel bereft or depressed because of the news or something. You know, I have I have found that because of my focus is on praying scripture and this is reemphasized a little that my heart points me back towards scripture. I find more more scripture running through my head when I'm witnessing to or advising some of these young ladies that I told you God keeps bringing me. Now think about it. God's providing you opportunities in some way. Who who are you still being provided opportunities with? Linda retired, and she still gets opportunities with the kids and stuff. That, you know, I mean, she can't beat them over the head with a Bible. She didn't retire. But, but you know, <laughs> her retirement is only, I'm not coming in today, I don't feel good. You know, because she she's, she's, a, she's a sub, so she, she can say that more than she used to. She just isn't the type of person to do that. Do you but, get to say that, Linda? I have said it. <laughs> I, okay. But um, this is the thing. She works more than the full-timers. I keep telling the children that God gave you hands to help people. He gave you a mouth to bless people. That's finding the positive. Okay? <laughs> he gave you feet to go and tell, to take his love to other people. Now, Yes, God is love. Yes, the answer to, well, well what so-and-so did it? Well, I'm sorry, but there's consequences to sin. There are consequences. And God, although he forgives sin, this is what they don't teach in a lot of the fluff-fluff nowadays. Look, he doesn't take away the consequences. Well, God is also separate from sin. His, he's holy. He's he can't holy. be part of sin. Mm -mm. He is completely separate from sin. And 
Yeah, and see, a lot of people have trouble understanding that now. Well, I'm living with this guy. We're eventually going to get married, yeah. and everybody's doing it, and God can forgive well, us, so why is this wrong? The curriculum I'm teaching the kids in Children's Church, the answers in Genesis, we constantly go over the attributes of God, and we constantly bring up, you know, his omnipotence and omnipresence, but also his holy and just and his, and his grace. He's yeah. holy. He can't be partisan. He's just. He must punish sin. He's grace. He's merciful, and he forgives us. Well, and that's what this gets into: is some of the attributes of God. Now, um, benefit five leads us, like we said, to it is enjoying God's presence. It leads us in that. Now, this is what God's presence does for us. Now, I want everybody to look at Isaiah forty-three two through three. Now, who's got a King James? Because I would like to hear it in it. And then I've got it in two different ones here. Sometimes, like I said, it helps me to Isaiah look at what? it. Uh, Isaiah 43. 43. Uh -huh. 2 through 3. I have it, but I don't have King James. Okay, well, let's do King James first, and then we'll see what yours says. Yeah. I have uh, an LT. Okay. Was it two and three? Two and three. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Okay, now of course this is speaking to a specific time. You know, but it also speaks to us now. Now, read yours, your NLT, and see what it says. When I go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you go through the, fear, the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Saba in your place. Okay, now, water... To the Israelites was not necessarily a comfortable thing. Okay, they the water they weren't just terrified of the water, but they were not also a big maritime nation. Okay, you know they did do fishing and stuff, but but you notice like like well like when Jesus is in the boat and he's going to sleep and they're having a fit because it's storming. They um, they had a lot of fear connected with the storms that would come off the water and the the big nations that had big armies or navies and or whatever you called them back then and things like that now so when you pass through the waters now I get a connotation of drowning but now you think about when they passed through with Moses right he was he was keeping them safe but don't you think that might have been a little scary not only awe inspiring but a little bit scary too you're look at the fish is coming up looking at you you know i mean so the the water a lot of times in this kind of gives you a sense of fear 
okay? So when you pass through the waters, this to me is being overwhelmed, drowning. This, this is what comes to mind with me. And this does have a lot to do with that. Um, I will be with you. Now look, when they passed through that water, they didn't, they thought the Egyptians were gonna kill them then, right? But this, anytime you pass through these trials, these troubles, this sense of I'm being overcome, I mean, God is still with you. You are not alone. That's what he's telling you here. Um, the rivers tend to move, and they tend to move very, very fast. I don't know about your week this week, but my week has moved very, very fast, and I feel like I'm just walking through mud because I am so tired. I, I just, I'm sorry, I've been tired. But you can feel swept away by life. So swept away by the river. You know, you gotta have the water, you gotta have life, but there are times it can make you feel overwhelmed and it can sweep you away. Um, you won't be if you, I, what was it I told Tara, tie knot and rope and hang on to Jesus. Basically, God's with you. That's what he's telling you. You may feel like you're going to be, but God is there. He will pull you through. Now, when you walk through the fire, now I think of fire as trials, but fire is also purifying. Okay? So sometimes when we go through things in life, it is to purify us. It is to help us learn. Okay, so when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Okay, the flames will not set you ablaze is the way this puts it. So it's not, it's not gonna kill you. Now, we're all old enough here or in stages of our life where we've been through trials. We've been through fire. We felt overwhelmed. We felt like we were drowning. If you hadn't, you hadn't lived. <laughs> Most of us have felt it at times. But what has always gotten me through was God. So I can relate to that. And that's basically what he's telling you here. He's assuring you that not only will he never leave or forsake you, but he sees what you're going through. And there, there are reasons. There's a reason to come out the other side. And he's going to take care of you. Does it mean everything will be perfect? Well, no. Just <laughs> be stronger to get through the next one. And he reminds us here, for I am the Lord your God. Now hang on to that, because we're going to go somewhere with that in a minute. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Okay, now whatever version she used, this is how they put it. But I am the Lord your God. Okay, so don't think because you have struggles that you are not enjoying God's presence. He's right there. We tend to think, oh, you know, like this week. Now, if I had to say that I just knew God was with me this week, there's a few times, like my knee feeling better, that kind of encouraged me and reassured me that there are people that have noticed and are praying for me and that, God is with me because I had begun to think, okay, we're just going to get this thing replaced. It's just killing me. But um, 
just because you go through struggles doesn't mean you're not enjoying God's presence. It doesn't mean, oh, well, God's mad at you. No. That's not what it, this means. Um, we tend to take our circumstances and look at them totally opposite of what God does. Our human way of looking at things is really, we don't have the mind of God. Remember, we're made from dirt. Okay. So, um, sometimes God is going to lead us through a tough place. Is basically what it means. When the rivers. And things. Sometimes God is going to lead you there and lead you through a tough place. Remember Elijah? Went and sat by the brook. God didn't keep the brook from drying up. God fed him. God had him by the brook. Then God told him to get up. <laughs> and sent him to a widow. But he told him, get up. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to go through things not in spite of God, I mean, nothing surprises God, but because of God, He sees your good in the long run, or He sees the good that He can do through you. You know, I, I told y'all, I shared with y'all that I asked God to take away this stupid arthritis when I first got it, and it was so bad. And He said, no. Well, He's used it in a lot of lessons, hasn't He? And He's... Um, used it to help me talk to older people they, they can sometimes relate to me a little bit because my arthritis is ahead of where it should be and i can actually say yeah i feel your pain <laughs> and mean it um he's used it even with witnessing to uh, to the younger women somehow for them i've become like a mama so when I smart off in my little way of saying things, they think, that's just mama, she grumpy, her arthritis must be getting her to die. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they at least hear me. So he's used it. And there, I'm quite sure there must be some ways he's used it that I have no earthly idea how. <laughs> but passing through the rivers does suggest tough places, okay? Scary overwhelming places now enjoying God's presence does not mean difficult things do not happen to his children now look I know God loves me but I've had some difficult things happen when when the kids were little when y'all were little and I found out that they were dyslexic and then me planning to be a teacher and then the system didn't really do anything you talk about feeling overwhelmed and feeling betrayed. I actually felt kind of betrayed because it's like, God, why don't you even let me become a teacher? Now I'm going to have to come home and homeschool because I've got to take care of my own kids. But God had a plan. He had told me to begin with I wouldn't be doing what I thought I was. And he's, I may never have made a ton of money off my degree, but Lord knows I've used it. I, I, I use it all the time. I use it with the little ones. Thank you. I was ready to leave and do something else because I, I was feeling old and tired and I, I may look younger, I hopefully still do, but, but, but my body, you know, my, my arthritis stuff was making me tired. Just going up the steps, you know. 
And whenever I get that way, God sends me some kind of encouragement. And he sent me someone, I can't even remember who on earth it was, looked at me the other day and said, well, God's got you there for a reason. When I was looking for jobs and I was starting to feel just old and unwanted, I actually had a couple of jobs that were interested in me, but I came in like second. But they were re they talked to me. I was really considered. They were pretty good job, but it wasn't where God wanted me. And he made that really, really plain. And, you know, who else works for their son's mother-in-law? You know, <laughs> that would be an uncomfortable situation for most people. I thought it would be uncomfortable. She's one of the best bosses I ever had. Now, do we get on each other's nerves? We're two totally different types of personalities. I got on her nerves the other day because I had a little girl sitting there, and I was doing art with some of the others, and she's eating her breakfast, which is one of those little yogurts, gogurt things. She's getting it all over her and her dress and the floor, and she's going, ah, you know, I'm, I'll get it. You know, and, and I just cleaned her up, you know, and I'm, it didn't bother me. Because this little one always makes a mess. You know, I've learned she's not going to eat unless she makes a mess. The neither you try to get her to be, the less she'll eat. So, she's eating. So, what I, my personality and her personality are two different ones, but we complement each other, and God uses us. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, does everything have to be perfect? Well, no, probably it's better that it's not. Would you really appreciate everything if it was perfect? It wouldn't be anything to work for. Yeah, and see, we're supposed to strive towards that high calling. Sometimes the struggle, the strive, is where we learn some of the best lessons. It's also, I think, when we look back over our lives, it might be somewhere we had the most fun and didn't even know it. <laughs> Um, God's constant presence quiets our fears when you are overwhelmed, when you are struggling. Now, what do we mean by God's constant presence? Let's look at Psalms 139, 7 through 12. Psalms 139, 7 through 12. Yeah, and I got a pencil in my mouth. There we go. Now, this is how, this speaks to how ever-present God really is. It, it, this particular psalms is to remind us of that. Um, let's see. All right. Who wants to read the King James Version? You going to do it this time, Wendy? <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Whether, I, whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say surely, the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Okay. See what yours says. Uh, tell me one more time where it is. Uh, Psalms Psalm 139. 139, 7 through 12. I had a huge dyslexic you just okay. Your brain, you, your brain flipped, huh? Yeah. Psalms one thirty nine eleven through twelve. Uh, yeah. Seven. Seven through, seven through twelve. 12. See, told you dyslexic. <laughs> okay, Steve. <laughs> I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. I think I might have read an extra verse. Okay, I think mine said, even the darkness is not dark to you. So, what this is talking about and what this relates to. Let's look at some aspects of God here. And I, t I warned y'all, y'all were going to get into this. And you might want to, I don't know, you might want to jot your note down somewhere over to the side or something if this helps you. Um, it's telling you, look at this here. Now, God, first of all, you recognize his presence and power, okay, and his knowledge. So, in, in theological language. Okay, or in God language here. Um, he, he is omniscient, which he's limited by nothing. Notice he's heaven, hell, light, dark, wherever you are, he's there. Limited by nothing. He was there regardless of what time. He's not limited by time. There are no limits on God. Okay, two, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. He's with you and me and you and you. and you. He's everywhere. He's over in Ukraine. People say, where is he? He's in the Ukraine. He's everywhere at one time. Um, omnipotent, or as Steve loves to say, omnipotent, but, <laughs> but omnipotent. Um, He's all-powerful. Could he stop the war in Ukraine right now? Yes. But he's not going to take free will away. If he takes the free will away and stops all the bad things, that's not love. He gave us free will. Uh, omniscient. He's all-knowing. Was it a surprise to him when Russia went in or Russia decided to do what they're doing? No, no that wasn't a surprise to him. He, he knew, he, and he knew what their decision was going to be. Was it a surprise to him when I got arthritis? No. Um, was it a surprise to him when my coworker Amber died? No. 
was it a surprise to him when that person that hurt you hurt you? No. He can handle all these things. Was it a surprise to him when you accidentally hurt somebody? No. He knew your mouth to get you in trouble. Okay, look, look, he knows. We do not take into account the sovereignty, the power of God. We in this generation have limited him to as powerful as one of our television shows. Or we try to put human standards on God. For example, why are there hungry children? Well, like I said, that's actually on us. Okay? We are the ones supposed to be handling it. Why doesn't he just take everything away? Why doesn't he make everything peaceful and perfect? Because then there would be no free will. Then you wouldn't have anything to do. And he would never learn anything. Look, no. he made the angels. Right. They were in heaven. And they were perfect. But they didn't have a choice. They were supposed to worship him. They were made to worship him. And then, within, the devil, that first sin that everything goes back to, what was found? Why does God hate that sin so much? Pride. What is at the root of all sin, basically? Pride. You know, the devil, like, like Steve has told you before, the devil's foolish enough. He, he's read, I mean, he knows what the Bible says, and he still thinks he's going to win. That's called arrogance. <laughs> it's yeah. pride. Okay. Um, now, so remember, he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Um, he's all-knowing. He knows everything. And there's there's nothing that he can't do but there are some things that he will not do because it's not time yet it's kind of like if a child is learning to walk and you never let that child fall Lord knows ours keep getting goose eggs. <laughs> ours can walk, and they still get goose eggs on their head. Oh, Lord, they're little bumpy heads. But if we save them from every single thing, if they never got a speck of dirt on them, if they never bumped their head, if nobody ever hurt their feelings, if they, would they ever learn anything? Would they ever become the person God meant for them to be if we protected them from everything, just wrapped them in bubble wrap? No. Same goes for you. So he's going to lead us through the tough places. But we've got to remember. And that's like when I get worried about some of the people I'm praying for. I've got to remember. God knows the big picture. I don't get to make their decision. No matter how much I love them, I don't get to make their decision. I get to pray for them. That's my job. 
I get to be that little niggling voice in the background that sends them a little thing. Pop! Service is on. <laughs> Why aren't you here? But <laughs> okay. But from your experience with God, what are the, the reasons that we do not always sense his presence? You know what mine is? I, I figured it out this week. Weariness. Yeah, I, I get tired at 55. I get tired easier than I used to. Um, there are times that I have both a body weariness and a soul weariness. You know, my mom used to get so upset over things, and I used to tell her, well, you can't change anything, just pray about it, which is true. But I understand a little more now, yeah, because I'm looking at it, and it upsets me about the Ukraine. It upsets me what I see that my grandchildren may have to deal with. It upsets me. But I know to pray. So therefore, I go back to that. I go back to the scripture. I go back to what I know. Because I, I can't change it. Only God can intervene in a lot of these things. I can't make... <clears throat> Politicians have a brain. Um, what hampers this? Well, for me, it's weariness, um, lack of studying or searching out an answer or how he wants me to pray. There are times that I just, I'm tired. This just downright becomes blurry. You look at it and fall asleep over it. I mean, I do. How many of you, you know, I get home from work, I sit down in the recliner, then supper's not going to get done. I have to get home from work and go cook. Yeah. If I don't get home from work and go cook, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I better not sit down until I get something started. Now, how about y'all? Do y'all have that experience? That's me. You know, that woman in Proverbs, she was a good woman and she was tired. <laughs> Well, she stayed busy all the time. Yeah, and, and you know, I feel kind She had to. She had to. Okay, three. Um, a lack of prayer. Do you ever just get so tired that you... I am guilty of this, and there's nothing wrong with God giving you rest. Do not get me wrong. Don't feel bad. I've always been told don't feel bad when you fall asleep praying. But there's a lot of times I really need to pray, and I'm trying to pray, and I fall asleep. <laughs> I, I, I pray when I'm in bed at night, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and I wake up sometime in the morning. Yeah, and you know that's God giving you rest, and I know that. But maybe I needed to finish that prayer. But he knows what you were gonna say. Well, that's and, true. You know, he, he, you're talking to God. That's so, why I so feel can't that the uh, he's just okay. Don't worry, take it easy, go to sleep. That's, that really is what it's supposed to be. The, the other, me getting frustrated, it's just my control freak coming out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, and, but there are some times that you you are just, I'm tired. I'll do it later. You know, and maybe you do need to pray and go to sleep like that. Maybe you need to. Well, there's times I'll, I'll be praying and, and praying and and it's like I'll forget what I'm praying about. Doesn't wake up and start praying that all over <coughs> Well, now think about it. Um, how God shows up in our lives varies. It changes. 
you know, it, it, it goes back to that thing that the message stays the same, but the delivery changes. Um, he can alter, and, and she brings that out in this, he can alter the evidence of his presence in our lives. Now, if you think about it, you know, there might be times that he talks to you a little differently now than when you were younger. Or there might be times he talks to you just exactly the same way. You know, it's not so much that he changes, is that he meets you where you are. He meets you in that situation. Maybe how you need to hear it right then isn't how you needed to hear it when you were 20. Does that make sense? Um... We receive the most benefit from seeing visible prints. And, and I've noticed, too, that in teaching, even in teaching the little ones, that a lot of these simple things or these things that have meant so much to me over the years are what comes back up and that I keep putting out there for them. And I find out not everybody's doing that. Not everybody teaches these little ones the Bible anymore. So I think that's part of why God's got me there. And I pray over them. You know, do you pray over this? I pray over them. I've been praying for them to be the next generation. These that I'm teaching to be the next generation that God is raising up to be good, godly men and women and to point their way toward, you know, point towards Him and to stand and to stand strong as times get harder and harder, as it gets harder and harder to be a Christian. I've really been praying over all my babies. Not just my grandchildren, all my babies. Maybe there's not a lot of people doing that now. I don't know. There's a reason he's got me there. He has not let me go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. If I could give an Irish brogue there, I would. Um, it's this simple for me. And this is how I've always put it to the kids. And I know this probably means nothing to y'all, but this just for some reason struck me when they were little. I did this little lesson with them. And, you know, you blow on your hand. And you can't see it, but you can feel it. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you see God working all around you. And it's like the wind. You see the wind blowing the trees. But you can't see the wind. But but God's just as real as that wind. It doesn't mean the wind's not there. It doesn't mean the air's not there on your hand. It's just as real. And that's how real God is to me. That's how real I want him to be to the little ones. It's like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and um, I try to tell them, that, you know, because they get confused. They're four. They're four and five. They get confused with make-believe and real, you know. And, I, I mean, I'm standing there. They're asking me if Spider-Man's real. I'm going, he's a real actor, and he's in a comic book. So he's a real character. You can pretend to be Spider-Man. Whoever's doing it is pretending to be Spider-Man. God's real. Spider-Man is for fun, you know. And, and I try to let him. And, um... I think they're so afraid now of telling their children what's real and what's not mm -hmm. that we actually have kids <laughs> that are confused, that can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. I don't think we teach them anymore. Mm -mm. We, you know, we, I used to teach mine, watch real. 
Okay, I didn't keep Harry Potter away from mine. I read Harry Potter to him. We discussed it, and we talked about how trying to do real spells and things like that would not be right. That, that well, this was for fun. I, that would be evil. I grew up knowing that was fantasy, and that the movie that's movie magic. That's not real. Yeah. And that people who do practice that, they're getting into something that they don't realize. Well, this is what I always tell them. I said, look, I said, all power comes from God. I said, so if that power doesn't come from God, in real life, where would that power come from if it doesn't come from God? And, of course, the answer is? The opposite of God, which is evil. Right. So, therefore... If we're trying to do magic, and magic itself isn't real, right, then power doesn't come from God. Where's it going? Where's it coming from? Ah, that's why we don't try to do that stuff in real life. That's what, um, that's what your cousin Stephen must have never been taught. I, well, I explained that to the kids in OB, understands what we... We say movie magic a lot, so he knows what movie magic is and that you can't do that in real life. But he's like, well, that's just movie magic. And he mm -hmm. explains to Gigi, well, that's just movie magic. Yeah, and I've noticed this with Kim. Kim. Kim explains it like this, and this is a good way to explain it, too, when she does her chapels, that miracles are real. Magic is not. Miracles are of God. Magic is pretend. Pretend's okay, but you don't try to make it real. Because you make something real that's pretend. Evil steps in. Yeah. Gigi's at the bean boutique. Oh, okay. I wondered what was dinging. Okay, we're getting close to the end, guys. Now, um, now when he gives us, now she says something here that makes sense to me, but I had not really thought of. And, um, Let's see, it says, his invisible hand during a difficult season. Other times we may profit from seeing fewer evidences of God. God does not love us less when he gives us fewer evidences. He simply desires to grow us and teach us to walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Over the last few years, especially when I couldn't, go to a different job and I really felt so tired and didn't know if I was doing any good for a while because some of these parents you know just how dare you get on to my child you know so what I have realized is that sometimes even when I don't feel his presence and I know he's there because he's always there or sometimes when I don't see what he's doing. Uh, there's been times I've told him, God, I just don't understand what you're doing with this. I don't have to understand. I get that. But I, I really don't understand. Could could you encourage me? Could you help me? Um, I've realized that he was teaching me something new. And there are times that in learning something new, you struggle. Hard to teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> but believe it or not, we can learn. That old adage that you can't. It's all got to do with being willing to listen. Being willing to listen.
Um, in Matthew 14, 25, 32. And let's see, Matthew. Matthew, 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 Matthew. Matthew 14, 25, 32. I'm going the wrong way. He tells us. And I had it marked, and the thing came out, Matthew 14. Mm-hmm. Notice what he tells his disciples, okay? First thing here, he tells his disciples, 14, 13, 14. Okay, 25 to 32. It says, Around three in the morning he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Um, immediately, immediately, not waiting, not till later, they got a response. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, did he stop the storm? No. What did he say? He doesn't always stop the storm in your life, does he? So even though, yeah, even though his presence is there, and we are to take joy in his presence, he doesn't always stop the storm. Is what that tells me. Notice that reminds us that he's there. He said, take courage. I'm here. It is I. Now, what did he say in the King James? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer. Be happy. It's me. Yeah. I'm right here. How many times have we been hurting or hurt or something and Mama said, I'm right here. It's okay. I'm not going to let anything get you. How many times have I told the four-year-olds, I'm right here. There's nothing here in the dark. It's not here in the light. I'm right here. Nothing's going to get you. Go to sleep. It's nap time. (laughs) How many times have I said, no blood, no broke bones. You're okay. Dried up. Go play. I'm right here. (laughs) How many times have I said that? A lot. A lot. Well, this is what God's saying. Take courage. It's me. I'm right here, children. I know everything. I'm all-powerful. I'm everywhere at one time. Nothing limits me. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'm right here. I'm right here. Now, you know how the best description I can think of this was the description in Left Behind, the, the white book that had the glorious appearing. Um, talked about the, the love and the awesomeness of when he showed up. And just the overwhelming, <gasps> he's Well, that's what he's telling you right now. I'm here. Don't feel alone. Don't give up. I'm here. 
we'll probably never learn to enjoy our storms. Okay? <laughs> no, I don't know many people that are capable of that. But we can learn to enjoy God's presence in the storms. You know what's so funny? I thought of this. It goes back to that picture yet again that he showed me of me in his hand and the whole world's just chaos and everything's flying around me and I'm sitting in his hand and I'm safe and I'm protected. The storm doesn't stop. But I'm okay because I'm right there. Yeah, I think he gave me that picture a long time ago for all these lessons. Think about how many times I've used that illustration. It's a kind of weird picture. I'm thinking of this big hand and me sitting there. But that's true. I'm here. I'm here. Um, the Hebrew word for joy. I'm going to kind of end right here on this and do it. The Hebrew word for joy is simcha. S-I-M-C-H-A-H. -H. And it means joy. It means glee, gladness, joy, pleasure, rejoicing. This is a ch or <laughs> But um, that southern in me won't let me Because I'm just thinking of, you know, Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. I'm thinking of Sinchah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We can learn to enjoy God's presence even when life is not enjoyable. Goes back to that picture, doesn't it? Goes back to the storm that Peter's going. Let me come to you. Okay, I can't explain it. I'm like her. I can't explain, it, but I've experienced it. And another thing about when Peter wanted to come to him, the problem is he took his eyes off of Jesus. We we should never take our eyes off of Jesus. Well, it says here to describe, and we're not going to have time to describe, but we can think about it. Describe a time when you have enjoyed God's presence, whether or not the circumstances were pleasant. God was so present, so present when we were downside and we moved back up here. You know, I've shared that with y'all before. He was so present. My biggest thing was, you know, well, God, what, what are you going to do? I know you can change all this, but I... I just don't think you're going to. Well, the reason he wasn't going to was because he wasn't stopping the storm. We had things to learn. Mm -hmm. But he had us. And I, I wasn't mature enough at the time to understand that's what he was telling me. I'm not going to stop the storm, but you're right here. You're right here. Gotten a little older. I understand that a little better now. But he's still showing me other stuff. That's like, you're where you're at for a reason. Okay. You know. Um, are you ready to begin enjoying God more in your life? I'm, yeah, I could deal with that. Yeah, I think we all could deal with that, couldn't we? Okay. That, that would be good. Okay, this is a suggestion that she makes, and I, I used it. It says, personalize Psalms 125, 1 through 2, into a prayer expressing your trust in God's presence. Um, and I did that, but you need to read Psalms 125, 1 through 2, and I'm not going to read you my prayer. I'm going to tell you to express it in your own prayer to God. It's not real long. It's not going to come out real long. This is not a big, heavy, long assignment, so do it anyway. Okay, but um, 
Not all scripture prayers are long. They're not all large. But they're all important. So that's your assignment this time. And your assignment, when you get upset about all the stuff going on in the world today, is to remember, picture yourself in God's... I want you to picture yourself as the one sitting in God's big hand. Now all that stuff flying around you. And remember who you are. Remember where you are. And then help others remember who, who they are and where they are and how much God loves them. Because unless you give that love and share that love, you're not doing what you're supposed to. Be the hands and feet. And pray for the Ukraine. They need some hands and feet right now. And if we find a way or something to give to or something to help with them, Kim, let us know. <laughs> All right. All of you do your assignment. I love you. i see you next month. Alright guys, um, this is our May lesson and it is on legalism and now there is also, we said that, you know, that it's a fine line, so this is a, a harder lesson in some ways, but also it is uh, viewed differently by g different generations is what I'm finding out. There is a difference. What we considered judgmentalism and what is considered judgmentalism now is different. Um, it doesn't mean the definition has changed, it means the understanding of the definition has changed. Um, now, if you don't think like I do, it's the cancel culture yeah. that Janet Parshall talks about, it's the cancel culture. Um, if you don't think like I do, if you don't believe like I do, then you're being judgmental. Mm -hmm. And that can be true when it comes to the scripture. If we're that way, if the church is that way about everybody, it doesn't realize that God takes things also on an individual basis. But um, I had a very young one. I began to realize this more and more when I had a very young one that was... Uh, working next to me and she talked about people being judgy on certain things and I was listening to her and what she felt she didn't want to be judgy so she was a Christian but she just didn't she didn't want to tell her friends that uh, were living a gay lifestyle or something you know that that she loved them or she cared about them but this was wrong you know, this was against the Bible. She didn't want to say that because that was judgy. Well, to me, see, that's not judgy. You're talking to them openly as a friend and telling them as a Christian, this is wrong, um, but I still love you anyway and I'll still pray for you. But according to what I read in the Bible, this is, this is wrong and, and God calls it an abomination. Uh, and it's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, 
you know, there there's a difference of uh, opinion there within certain denominations and things. But within our denomination, that is pretty much accepted uh, as what we see in Scripture. Okay? Um, but to her to even discuss it was being judgy. And I think that's going too far the opposite direction. Okay, that's just as bad not to discuss it as it is to try to have them see. Yeah, now I, I don't believe in I don't believe in beating them over the no. head because it, it's the same thing with people that are atheists, you know, they've got a Okay, atheists out there, I've got, they've got a right to die and go to hell if that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But we also should have the right to say, well, we love you as a person, but, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm just six feet under. If, if, you, if you're wrong, you're dying in a burning hell. We should care enough about them to explain that. I had a very good friend in high school that um, was an atheist, and here I am, you know, <laughs> I was very, and he thought I was a very sweet, misled person, and I thought he was a very sweet, misled person, and I'm like, I, I would never date you because uh, our beliefs are far too different. And he said, well, I'd never date you because our beliefs are far too different. And we, we weren't attracted to each other. We just had a lot of classes together, and we would debate. And I said, why are you such an atheist? Well, why are you such a Christian? And we would talk to each other. We, he says, I respect your right to have your opinion. I said, I respect your right to die and go to hell. But I love you enough to tell you I don't want you to go there. I want you to come with me. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I respect that you care about me as a person. And, and, and so we could disagree and agree to disagree and I never won him and he never won me but we didn't argue we yeah. just would talk to each other and it wasn't the only thing we talked about and that to me was your middle road there of witnessing but respecting a person's right to choose God or to not choose God because God does give us a choice you know, I, I hope he found somebody he would listen to that he more than just respected. And I hope I planted a seed. But in today's culture, in today's society, that would be judgmental. Yeah. Because I even would talk to him. So by a lot of people's standards. Or because I disagreed with him, that would be. Yeah. You know. So, um, yeah. It's a hard subject now because just the very fact that I'm putting this out there and the very fact that I'm saying there is a definite right and a definite wrong, there will be somebody that doesn't like it. But I have my right to believe the Bible just as much as they have their right not to choose God. You know, like I said, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm six foot under. You know, if they're wrong, then I need to put it out there because if I'm understanding my Bible right and I, I believe in God as much as I do, then it's not loving of me to let them die and go to hell with nobody ever telling them. Do, do you see the difference in our beliefs? So 
that's what a lot of people don't understand about the judgment time. Well, why have you got to tell me? Well, if I'm truly living my beliefs, I am to go and tell. I can't force you. I don't believe in the Inquisition. I'm not going to put thumb screws on you. You know, I'm not going to try to beat a conversion out of you. I don't believe in that. That is not what my Bible tells me. You know, but I do believe that I am not functioning and doing what a Christian should do if I don't at least at some point try to have a relationship with you as a friend or as a fellow human being and try to talk to you. Um, so that is the stance that this lesson is taking. So if that offends you, turned off now. <laughs> okay, I've got my uh, niece, honey. All right, she's already living in sin because she's living with a guy, not married. She's two years, going on three years. And I just found out that he's atheist. Oh no. And so she's already on this left side anyway. Because she's like she's the one that's I think partially um influencing Ashley a little. Yeah, when yeah, our friends influence us. <laughs> but I, like I said, I just found out that he he's an his name's Hunter too, so well, if you're going to, and, and this is my warning, if you're going to witness to someone who is a very strong atheist or someone who is a very uh, strong something else that really departs from the scripture, okay, then you uh, are going to have to be very strong in your, in your scriptural understanding and very strong in your beliefs. If you are not, they can sway you. You know. And if you stay in it, they'll sway you anyway. Yeah. God tells us not to. Yeah, yeah. That's why this person in high school was not my best friend. Uh, I didn't hang around. I didn't go places with this person. But we were friends in class because mm -hmm. he, we were both smart and very smart in these subjects, and we would a lot of times get paired in different things. Yeah. Um, just in yeah. groups together. But we never dated, we never, you know, and mm -hmm. I would not have. I would not have for the simple reason that our beliefs were so different. I did not want this man to become so important to me that he was a, a father to my children. I did, no. I, uh, okay, and you have to think about these things. And I was raised that actually when you're dating, you don't date people that you would not want to marry. Yeah. That's how I was raised, mm -hmm. and you don't you don't date bad boys because they ain't worth having as fathers, okay? You don't date non Christians because you're a Christian. You don't want to be unequally yoked. Now, see, I was raised to think of these things, and I think we fail our children by raising them not to think of this stuff. I, I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. I was. My parents told me, it matters who you date. Well, I, I used to get so upset with Amanda. She dated a boy in high school. It was Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I said, Amanda, I, I... But the bad thing was, he was better to her than anybody she dated. Mm -hmm. He was more of a gentleman than anybody she dated. So I'm sitting here thinking, 
What am I supposed to do? You know, because, I mean, his whole family would be Well, be, being a Catholic in and of itself is, now, I, I don't abide with a lot of things from Catholicism, no. and I understand there's a big difference there. They, they believe in works, not no, salvation, no, but I have no. met some Catholics that are very good Christian people mm -hmm. that do believe in salvation. Mm -hmm. They just don't talk about it within their denomination. They understand what we're talking about. And I have met some that are out there and loopy mm -hmm. because they believe exact, instead of believing their scripture, which they have in front of them now, they believe only what the priest says and they don't read their Bible. So, you know, but I've met, I've met on that same token, I've met some Baptists that believe exactly what their preacher told them and they don't believe in reading their own Bible. And so they don't understand scripture well. There, there's a lot of old, you know, believe only. And you know, Steve will tell you, don't just listen to me, read your Bible. God gave us the scripture, read your Bible. And it is really important to, to understand scripture and have a, at least a basic understanding of if this person in the pulpit is crazy or not. Because there's some crazy people out there in pulpits and there's some good people out there in pulpits. There's some crazy atheists and there's some that still believe you have a right to believe like, you're, like you believe. They, they have had things happen to them and they're just, you know, some of them are just bitter. But they have their rights too. You have to understand. You have to understand. There's a fine line here, mm -hmm. and where to draw the line. Even even Jesus, you know, he he talked to the Pharisees, but he didn't beat them over the head necessarily. Now he didn't like them. He didn't like the way they looked at things, and so that's what we're going to get into a little bit here. Everybody, turn your Bible to. Um, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. And um, I'm going to need someone to read that. Meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and go to the next <coughs> scripture in here. And I've got a few things marked in here, so... Isaiah 29, 13. Okay, this is the King James. Then, therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Okay. Now this one puts it more in modern language that she used but it's like this the Lord says these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips but their hearts are afar from me their worship of me is made only of rules and taught by men so either one is telling you rules taught by men are not always God's rules now you think about it there was a time that the very fact even though I'm teaching women that I'm teaching in church, there are denominations that say I was dying and going to hell because I'm speaking in a church building. You know. 
because there was a belief that women were not supposed to speak in church. And actually, the scripture they get that from was talking about speaking in tongues. And that's what I was brought up to, is thinking that women does not preach. They don't teach above a man. Mm -hmm. But now I turn and I used to work with a lady. She lives up in Hobson City. That she she's a doctor of some anyway, she preaches. And even though we were friends at work, I just didn't go with her. Well now I don't I had a good friend. I, in fact I even have a cousin that's a good in a different denomination, good Christian. And she's a preacher. Now, I don't abide by, I think what's happened, and Steve and I tend to think what's happened there is there was a man that was supposed to be there, but he wouldn't listen, so God used the one that would listen. God is not above using a woman. We see Deborah. You know, he's not above it. It's just that um, it's not necessarily the way he would always have it be even she even deborah got on to the man that wanted her to go with him and said that the the glory would go to a woman and that's where we have the woman that nailed the man to the you know and she told him that basically he wouldn't get the glory of the battle that the woman would get the glory of killing the the main one from the battle and she did uh i think it was janelle but that's jl i knew it was a j because uh, basically he insisted that she go with him, you know, and all. And she was doing what God told her to do. And then she gets on to him for not stepping up and doing what he's supposed to. So, see, God's not above using a woman. That shows me that in the Bible. But neither do I believe I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I, and I believe most of the time what you have is you have women that are God-called teachers. But now that's just me, um, and that's the way I interpret that. This is not an argument to be had on this format. This is not an argument to be had. This will neither send you to hell, nor will it, nor will it get you to heaven. It's not, no, this is not a dog that I have in that fight, okay? <laughs> this is about legalism. So my... Um, now we're going to go to Matthew 12, 9 through 14. Okay? Matthew 12, 9 through 14. And we're going to expound on this just a little bit. All right. Who, who's got it? Because mine's slow here. <coughs> Pages are sticking together. I got it. He on the Sabbath. Um, yes. And when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath that uh, they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into the pit on a Sabbath? will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Uh, of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to, be a, to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, 
stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisee went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Okay. Now, let's go back to how she starts this, and we're going to come come right around to this. We're going to bring it around. Um, have you ever known someone critical like <coughs> this who criticized everything you did? Now, they might have loved you with all their heart, but they were just a very critical person, and they criticized every single thing you ever thought, everything you ever did. And maybe they had a good heart, and they didn't even realize they were doing it. But, or maybe they didn't. Maybe they were, maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe they thought they were giving constructive criticism and it was just mean. But, um, mine was my father. Now, I love my father. My father was a good provider. He's steady. He loved my mother. He did what the Bible says. He, he showed me a good marriage. He loved my mother. Now, my father was aggravating his snot, and he couldn't help it. It was his personality. Um, he loved me. My father was very domineering. You didn't go against my father. But because he was always so critical, for a long time, it caused me to have problems with my relationship with God because you know he's our heavenly father I thought and I saw God is very legalistic I didn't understand the difference in my earthly father and my heavenly father's way of doing things I thought because my father would say things like I was fat or I was this or I was that or put me down um, we, you know, and he, he was much better than his father. Then his father was abusive, and I, I can't honestly say that he was abusive necessarily with his words. That's not what I'm saying. He just was a critical person, and um, he was also from a very critical generation. You know, that whole generation was kind of this where we get more of the idea that everybody's judgmental. It, it just was. Um, they had to deal with with World War II and Vietnam and all that. We never had to deal with all that, so they probably had a reason, you know. We never had to deal with the Depression. They did, so probably they had a reason for how they came off. Um, unfortunately, I had to get through and learn that my father wasn't God and God wasn't my father. <laughs> And it took a long time for me to kind of separate things in my mind because my father was such a big person in my mind. And father meant him. So father God meant this was a father. Do, do you see the correlation here? Okay, so what I'm trying to say here is when, when you are around someone who's constantly, constantly criticizing you, do you want to be around them all the time? Or do you, can you hardly wait to be around them? Or are you like, oh, Lord, get me out of here? 
Well, see, when I would go to my parents' house after after I was grown, even after I'd had Bree and Trent, if it was a good day, I enjoyed my dad. If it was a bad day, I was ready to leave. I wasn't going to stay long. Okay, and that was kind of how I felt about God in some ways. It was, I love you. I don't want to hear all that, you know. <laughs> And and that was kind of the way God was. And some of you may have felt like that about a parent, may have felt like that about a sister, a brother, a friend, you know, uh, a teacher. You may, you may have felt like that about someone, but you still loved them and cared about them. And that's the way I was with my daddy. So that's a lot of the way my relationship for a long time was with God. Um <sighs> God does not act like that, okay? That is not the God of the Bible's personality. And it was very hard, hard. It still is at times. I will go back to it to separate one from the other. Now, you may have never had that problem, but I did. Uh, And I still do at times, okay? Steve has to get on to me when I get back into that. See, Steve literally had to tell me when we were younger, God is not your daddy. but He's not your earthly daddy. <laughs> he is your father, but he's not your earthly daddy. He's, they're different. <laughs> you know, we had to have a big conversation on that one time because I was just having a crying coming apart fit that I thought God was going to be so disappointed in me. And it was over something silly. It usually is. Yeah, or it it really was silly. At the time, it didn't feel silly. And I can't even remember what it was, guys. It was that silly. Um, I thought it was impossible to please God because it was impossible to please my father. I, I, he loved me. And I didn't know I actually pleased him a lot at times. I had no earthly idea till he got older and mellowed out a little bit. Who knew? My sister's the same way. She didn't know. So it was just part of my father's personality. Um, this made me feel scared and that it was impossible to please him. And this is the, exactly how I would have described God if I was being blatantly honest. But I was even afraid to voice that. I didn't think I had a right to voice what my problem was. Um, you don't talk about God that way. You don't talk about your dad that way. And that was my problem. That wasn't God's problem. (laughs) Okay, many uh, situations, many conditions keep us from truly enjoying God's presence. And for me, this kept me from enjoying God for a while. I had a very legalistic view of God. Okay, I always thought, I guess, that he had a big stick and he was fixing to come get me. <laughs> All right, and that's not God. Those of you that have had a view of God like that, I'm sorry, that is not the God of the Bible. I'm not going to say that God doesn't punish. I'm not going to say that God doesn't. You know, I'm not that kind of Baptist. No, I do believe there are things. But there is a lot more love. And a lot more love. Love comes before legalism. Okay? It just does. God is a lot more loving. He sent us Jesus. 
if if God was all about punishment and wasn't about love, He'd have never sent us Jesus. He'd have just let us die in our sins because we were stupid. <laughs> okay, and we we are not allowing God to be as powerful as He is when we saddle Him with our legalistic view. And when we try to saddle someone else with our legalistic view, we're not letting God be as powerful as He is. See, God still loves those, God still loves that atheist, whether He ever accepts it or not. God still loves my, my friend from high school that I hadn't thought about or seen in years. God still loves the family members that are, are living with somebody or married. He still loves all my girls that I, I tell them that you know, that's, living with people is not right. This is not what God would have you do. You're breaking his heart. You know, and he does love them, and they are breaking his heart, but he does love them. And they can still be saved even in this mess. We all create our own mess, and we can still be saved in our mess. Our oldest son, Vince, has had a terrible job for the last two years. Yeah. Just stress, stress, stress. So they went on vacation last week. He had two people from his church to offer him a job. So he said, I decided, okay, I'm going to quit when I get back. I just can't take this anymore. Then he said, Mom, I have to remember, I hadn't prayed about it. Mm -hmm. So I started praying about it. And about an hour after he prayed, the company called him <clears throat> and said they wanted to talk to him. At 3 o'clock, they were having him. And they laid him off. Oh, and gave he gave him, him an obvious answer. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> gave him a six-month severance pay and six months of insurance. And he said, if I hadn't prayed and asked God about it and just quit, because neither one of these jobs is gonna pay like this one does. But I said, this will give you a chance to work on something really good. But I was real proud of him for saying, I forgot to ask God. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, isn't it amazing how even we as Christians can suddenly realize we forgot mm -hmm. to seriously take it to God and wait on Him for an answer. But any Christian, no matter how mature or how immature they are, can make that mistake yeah. in this busy, busy world. <coughs> Maybe they didn't used to make that mistake as often, but they de we definitely do <coughs> nowadays. I've been guilty of that. Oh, you're the preacher's wife? Well, big deal. Yeah. I'm human. I, I, hey, it's not a job description. Okay. <laughs> um, when I married him, he wasn't a preacher. <laughs> okay, so uh, the thing is, is numerous scriptures teach us about legalism and warn us against it. it it's like law without love. In my mind, that, that's a good description of it. The law without the love. Well, we're not supposed to speak. How many of you make that mistake in speed? Mm -hmm. How many times have you had a, a cop say, you better slow down, instead of giving you a ticket? Okay, 
Well, without mercy, without love, without realizing we're human, and they're going to catch us doing that sometimes, they wouldn't do nothing but hand out tickets. Maybe he's looking at your car and going, if I give this person a ticket, you know, this car's going to fall apart because they already can't afford to do nothing to it, I can tell. You know, they're going to be walking. I mean, without a little leniency here and there, without loving us and getting on to us, you know, here and there, you know, if we didn't have any leniency with our children, we'd be beating them all the time. You know, we wouldn't be spanking them, we'd be beating on them. But, so... Some of them need that. You know, and... and there, ha- there is a fine line there. It doesn't mean we should never get a ticket. It doesn't mean we should never spank our children. It doesn't mean we should never put them in timeout. But there's, there's a fine line here. You know, God is a good father. He's wanting to teach you, not kill you. <coughs> okay? But there also is a point when we get tired of it. Well, there's a point when he gets tired of it. He's just much more long-suffering. Much more. We're supposed to be long-suffering. I don't know about y'all, but I fail at that a lot. I do, because right I fail at that miserably. I don't see how God puts up with this nation. (laughs) Oh, I don't see how God puts up with me sometimes, you know what I mean? (laughs) Because, I mean, I'd be like the one. Basically, people that are legalistic, or when we become legalistic, because we do sometimes. If you're honest with yourself, we do. You know, uh, you're worshiping tradition over spirit. We're to worship in spirit and truth, but when we become legalistic, we're worshiping tradition over spirit. That makes sense. Spirit will not go ahead and talk to this person in love. They'll just beat them down. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Okay, but spirit will discuss the scripture with them in love, and then at some point will agree to disagree. Okay, tradition will get mad at him and say, "Well, you're lost, dying, and going to hell. And there ain't nothing I can do about it." <laughs> you know, but we'll tell them that to their, you know, mm-hmm. we'll beat them over the head with the Bible. You sinner, and. Okay, who's being judgmental then? Yeah. Okay, who's sinning then? Yeah. Yeah. See, and I have trouble with this sometimes too because it disturbs me so much about these young women and and them giving themselves away and them putting themselves in these dangerous positions sometimes. And, 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 yeah, it disturbs me. And so I will go to them in love. I was talking to one other day who comes from a good Christian family and all, that's living with some someone is pregnant, but she made a very, very bad choice with her first husband and got herself in a bad situation. And he he um, he was uh, an alcoholic and different things. So, yeah, I understand that she's trying to be more careful this time, but they've already, they're already living together. They've already done things. She's already got children, moved them in the house with her children. See, that really disturbs me. But she's a sweet person. She's a good person. And she really does love the Lord. She really does believe in him. And now she's pregnant. You know, and so I was discussing, baby, if this man is actually worth keeping, you need to go ahead and marry him. And you need to raise my babies right. Is he worth keeping? 
Have you made a better choice this time? Is he, most of all, is he a Christian? And pe- some people would say, well, he can't be a Christian. He's moved to heaven. No, Christians make mistakes too. They, they buy in. You have worldly Christians or immature Christians who buy in to the things of this world. Well, haven't you done it before? Well, that's like my neighbor. His wife passed away two or three years ago. And uh, he was just really, really depressed. Mm-hmm. And he ran into a lady that he went to high school with. And they started a relationship. Now, on the weekends, he goes to her house and stays all weekend. And um, my neighbor was fussing about that said, I thought he was a Christian. He shouldn't be doing stuff. I said, listen, it's not our place to judge him. Now, I agree he should not be doing this stuff, but that's between him and God. Yeah. And see, that's that's truly between this one guy. Now, and how I approach it was I I go to her and I said, look, will you take some advice from an old lady? Because <laughs> to the girls at work, I'm old. They can't oh, yeah. believe I'm still doing kids. So, um, and I tell her, you know, just raise my babies right. You know. Yeah, but see, she just likes to gossip to me. Yeah. She won't. She ain't got the guts to go say anything to anybody. Well, did I heard a preacher the other day, and this goes back to what you're saying. I heard a preacher the other day on the radio because I listen a lot of times going to work and stuff. And this made sense to me. How do you know when it is constructive criticism yeah. and when it is just being critical and being legalistic? Okay, this is how you know. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is good. I need a measuring stick, you know. I need, I need something here. And, and he said, is it to edify and build up or are you simply tearing down and complaining? Yeah. And that sounds too simple yeah. at first, but, but if you look at what your intention is, what your heart is, and how you're going about it, if you go back to it, you'll find out. Now, my intention, and I think, and she re, and they'll receive it better if your mm-hmm. intention is to build up. If your intention is to be critical and just complain, and break down. No. If your intention is to build up and love them, and we're guilty of it with our own children a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't always go to them in love. We just get frustrated. Okay? No. 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 Ask her. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and we're in church and we're lying. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to them in, in love, and you say, look, I love you, but I don't, I don't want this for you. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about this. Then your, your intent is to build up. So you're, you're not being legalistic in, in the fact that you're not trying to break them down and destroy them. Now, if I go to that same young lady and I say, you're going to die and go to hell for living with this person. You just think you're a Christian. You just think you love the Lord. And see, you're, tell, you're telling her what her heart is. 
Yeah. She see, might be. I mean, she. Now, now very there's well a good Christian. Yeah. Now there's a good example. Do you remember the lady at the well? Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't give up on her. Jesus said. He told her everything she had done. Now he didn't lie to her, did he? He didn't gloss over what she did. He says, "Well, you have spoken. You know, you've had this many husbands, and the one you're living with now isn't your husband." I mean, think about it. In modern day language, that's what he said. Now, doesn't that sound like the time we're living in? And he's offering her living water. So she still could be saved. Do you see? Mm-hmm. The woman that was caught in adultery, what was it? Go and sit. Those of you without sin, cast the first stone. Oh, yeah. uh, well, they threw the stones down. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd throw the stone down. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, what he never said that what she did wasn't wrong. He, he told her, he turns to her, where's your accusers? Go and sin no more. So go and commit adultery no more. See, what the mistake is nowadays is they are to turn from their sin and repent. They still have a chance. The vilest of sinners still has a chance to repent. Do you remember the cross? We're not as long-suffering as God. At some point, we turn from them before God will. God don't give up on them. There are times that we have to give up on them and walk away and ask God to give them someone else to witness to them because he tells us, leave it, because it's hurting us. It's, there's a point at which you have to leave somebody when witnessing to them is hurting you to the point that's affecting your relationship. It, it, and God will tell you when it's time to leave. And all you can do is pray for God to send someone else they'll, they'll listen to it. Of God, it is every day to please put somebody in her pathway that's a good Christian that'll help bring her back. Well, and and he has just because time. she's on her way back doesn't mean she's gonna make it all the way back at one time. Nor does it mean she's gonna make it all the way back. Do you understand? Well, we don't get that choice part of it because she's no longer that guy that she was seeing. So that's. One good thing, but yeah, she's we, still got a long ways to. Well, we don't. We don't get. <clears throat> we don't get that choice. <coughs> okay, that's the problem with with it. We want to choose for them, and then we get angry when they don't choose like we want because we're human and we actually do care, or we wouldn't even be trying. But we have to ask ourselves when we. Feel led to go to someone. Are we building up? Are we tearing down? Are we gossiping? Mommy, can I have paper? <laughs> Are paper? we go- But don't, but not hair, not clothes. Are we gossiping, or are we truly concerned? Are we just gossiping, or are we actually reaching out to that person and talking that, or praying? for that person. See, there's a difference. If I tell all of you, well, so-and-so's this, and so-and-so's that, and and I never uh, try to talk to this person or witness it or never pray for this person, then all I'm doing is gossip. Well, I'll tell you this. Maybe. 
We had been trying for two years to get Amanda to move closer to home. She loved being by herself. Yeah. Because she hurt so bad. And um, she was ill. Oh, hot. I would be too if I, when we got in there and got her medicine, you would not believe how much oxycodone she had. And she was in. Probably in addiction. No, no, no. She was going to pain management. Trying to get off of some of it. Oh, no, just trying to feel better. Trying to feel better. She, she never got out of pain. But um, I fussed at her, which was wrong. And um, I said, Amanda. I don't care for you living in Georgia. That's where all her daughters was. Yeah. Um, but I just want you closer where we can take care of you. I'll take care of myself. And um, Tristan begged her. And then I kept praying, God, please let her get to where she's not hurting her so bad. Put somebody in her life that will help her be happy. And I feel like that's why he took her home. Because she was in such pain. Well, when he can't heal us here, sometimes he does heal us by taking us home, surely. Yeah, and I don't want you to worry about fussing at her or feeling like you were being legalistic by fussing at her. You're a mama. We're gonna we're gonna do that sometimes. Yeah. Bree, I'm gonna let you feel this one. When I fuss at you, and it aggravates the snot out of you, because yeah. I'm being I'm being mama, and you're grown, and you have your own kids, and how dare I tell you what to do? Do you stop loving me? No. No. Or do you understand that that's just mama? That's just you. Yeah. Do you understand that you're gonna be that way with yours? some day at times. Yes. Well, I also know and I accept the fact that all parents, to some extent, mess up their children <laughs> because they're human. Yep. Yeah. And they're messed up. Yeah. And so but that... It's, it's a cycle that, that can't really ever be broke while we're living in a world of sin. No. Well, <clears throat> we met Amanda at the mall in Georgia. We are going to go in and have lunch and spend some time with her. She, and I was taking her chicken to fix dressing for Thanksgiving. She said, Mom, I don't feel like it. I don't even want to get out of the car. Wayne and I both were there. So Thanksgiving, she called me, she said, I can't come. I just can't drive that far. So I said, okay. When you come for Christmas, young lady, I'm going to tell you, you're going to sell that house and move closer, or I'm going to have you deemed incompetent. And the Lord didn't let me tell you that. Well, that, that was <clears throat> your frustration yeah. and your anger talking. Mm -hmm. You might not have ever done that. I probably wouldn't, but I sure would. But you, you would have threatened her with it. Well, she <laughs> was supposed to have surgery. And she said, don't come over. I'm going to take an Uber. 
and then her friend's gonna bring her back home. Well, about six o'clock that morning, the hospital called. Is Miss Overstreet with you? I said, no. And this was one of her problems. When she went to sleep with that oxygen, she wouldn't wake up. And uh, I called her 26 times before I got her to answer that phone. And I have called my granddaughter and said, would you please go make sure Amanda's okay? Because mm -hmm. she lives right there by her and it takes me an hour and a half to get there. Yeah. And I was so mad at her. I said, Amanda, you had surgery today. Um, I'm sorry. I said, no, you're not mature enough to live by yourself. <laughs> I mean, she's 53 years old, okay? <laughs> And you talk about mad. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so, but anyway, that's just dumb. I've got to get over. I try to look at the good times. Oh, Shirley, it, that's a grief that it, it won't ever go away completely. Oh, yeah. it, it's going no. to be there. Losing a child in any form at any time, it's... That, those memories are always going to be there, the good and the bad. It's, it's it took me. What we're going to live with. Yeah. It took and me I, a long time. You never know what's going to bring it up. Yeah. No. And it took. Little thing. Yeah. It took me a long time, a long time to be able to remember good things about Mama because I went through so much bad at the end. Yeah. But years later, I can remember good times. I can remember good things. Yeah. But I, want, I, I really was afraid I would never yeah. be able to remember oh, the good. Tabby, Tabby sent me a picture. We were fixing to go to Jay. Well, we were on our way to Jay. And uh, she said, uh, this just came up on my phone and it was Amanda holding Rhett. She went to Alaska to be with them while Rhett was born. Mm. And I just started squalling. Because, wow. you know, for no reason, really. Well, that's all the memories and stuff. That's the gift we have. And we have a right to continually feel that grief about our children, whether you, you got over 50 years with her and you got grandbabies from her and all this. So you have so so much to remember and to well, hold tight, but it's, it's okay to be mad and angry about it. Yeah. And you're allowed to feel that for however long. No, and you're allowed to talk about it. Don't let anyone ever quiet you for talking yeah, about it. The doctor told me, said, you've got to <coughs> stop crying. Yeah. How do you stop crying? He said, that's one of the things that's wrong with my voice, but I can't help no, you. And uh, you need to Amanda, feel those feelings. When Amanda was born, she only had a 50-50 chance of living. Her esophagus tube did not connect to her stomach. It went into her lung. So at 20 hours old, she was sent to Birmingham. And she had pneumonia. Then they found out she had an extra bone in her back. So, you know, it's, we really didn't think she would live that long anyway. She was your miracle. Because they told us she will never have kids and she did <laughs> i mean she lived a very full life how many people did they tell that to have yeah. tons of children yeah. but 
never have kids. And don't tell me that. When I say, I have to, if something happened to Bree, I would have both anger and grief, guilt, because you always wonder, did I do this right? Did mm -hmm. I do that? Did I cause this? Did I cause that? Elation at the wonderful life she's lived, the wonderful person she is. I mean, I, I would go through the gambit. I, I would worry about how John would react, who on earth John would take afterwards because his family tends to... They can't ever be loved. No. <clears throat> I, I, I would worry about... I mean, I would go through all of those things. So you're going to go through stuff, Shirley. Well, and you're going to have to not hold it in because holding it in is going to make you sicker. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> cleaning at her stuff, I knew this, but I forgot it. She was a Christian counselor. <laughs> she was certified Christian counselor. And uh, when she and Mike were together, he and his sister, it was amazing what they did in Georgia and stuff. So she started doing it on the internet when she couldn't get out anymore. So I have to remind myself of that uh, because I know she couldn't go to church. Yeah. She just, she just can't sit that long. She can't, you know. No. But uh, that's just little things I have to make myself remember. There was a lot of people she helped. Well, and I'm sure there was good years with Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, Mike, and listen, it like to kill Mike when she died. Well, I, I think he really loved her, but he just, he, alcoholics become very addicted very fast mm -hmm. and very selfish. And the addiction takes over their entire lives. Yeah, he told and me. That, that's why when you told me about the oxycodone, first thing I thought was, uh-oh, yeah. she get addicted to it. Because there's so much yeah. addiction to no, it, pain it medicine wasn't, now. She wasn't, well, I mean, I'm sure she was addicted to it, but it was the doctors giving it to her. She, It wasn't something that she, Yeah. Um, but Mike told me the last time I talked with him, he said, you know I love y'all, but I am going to drink. It doesn't matter who it hurts. I'm going to live for myself. Well, see, that's the alcoholic talk. Yeah. And I said, Michael, you're such a good man. He said, yes, and I love your daughter. But if she can't live with this alcohol, she's going to have to go. And he told me that. And see, Steve remembers Mike when he was in high school and he remembers him being able to do anything oh, that regardless of whether he was black, white, right. purple, or pink, he, he was, was smart. a smart, mm -hmm. intelligent man with yep. a bright future. Yep. And he... And it didn't matter if he got... He may have a job two months and it'll lay him off because he's an alcoholic. Yeah, that's what it and amounts to. But yet, tomorrow he'd have another job. Well, because he's so smart, he's a electrician. He, yeah, he's a functioning. Yeah, alcoholic. that's what he, he he said. I'm a functioning. One time, Amanda got mad at him. He had started back drinking, and he was buying these little bottles of liquor mm -hmm. and throwing them in the trash, trying to keep her from knowing. Them. So while she was mad at him, she got them all out <laughs> and made a Christmas tree out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. Let's well, see. 
I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get so No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. And that goes into this. So you're talking about it. This is like therapy for you. This is to help you. But also, you're not gossiping. So this is another kind of talking that's not gossiping. This is not legalism. This is love. See, she still loves Mike. She still prays for Mike. But she knows she's giving him up to God because she knows yeah. that he's not listening to her. So see, this, this yet again, illustrates the difference in love and legalism. Yeah. Telling someone what's right, but still accepting that they got their choices. Yeah. See, it's his choice whether he dies of alcoholism or not. Yeah. That's yeah. actually his choice. See, he, uh, Tristan still calls him dad. Yeah. And he goes to see him. Well, and he is he dead. loves him. Yeah. Because he was a much better dad than his real dad. Yeah, so see. And he won't have anything to do with his real dad. Yeah. See, we, we all have our scars. Yeah. And it's what you do with them. It's what you do with the law, not, not that you force it on people. Um, and this is what the Pharisees didn't understand. They never saw mercy within it. They only saw their own opinion, their own idea. They never realized anybody else had a different idea or that God saw it differently. Um, they went out and plotted to destroy him because... Basically, Jesus one-upped them. He gave them an example that they couldn't defeat. He gave them an answer that they couldn't accept because it was right, but it was against their law. So therefore, how could it be right? They worshiped the law more than God. They worshiped the law more than God because what they just did, who was Jesus? So therefore, they just rejected God. They just plotted. Okay, let's look at this. They just plotted against God and his plan. There's legalism. Legalism is absent of God's love and mercy. Do you see the difference now? And I had to really... Like I said, I didn't even think this lesson would last this long, but Shirley, you really gave us some good insight. You gave us some good examples without even knowing you did it, babe. And so did you, Bree. Appreciate it, Bree. You did, without even realizing what a wonderful example you gave us. Because a lot of times we get legalistic with our own kids. Okay? We get legalistic more so with those we love. We want to beat them over the head with the Bible more than we do. The Bible say, "Why are you three naming me?" Now, yeah, why were they? Why were they so angry? Why were they plotting against him? Because there you go, you said it, right there, right there. They worshipped the law instead of the Lord. Uh, it was against the law to work on the Sabbath, and so was, that was the black and the white of it. Their rule. But they added to God's laws. And, and now that goes back to, are we supposed to add to or take from? Neither one. And really they were adding to. They were adding a definition there that God did not give us. That God did not have. There's legalism. Now, 
but we can go into the modern time with Acts 15.5. Don't really have time for it because I'm going to end this. So I need y'all to write that down and just look at yourselves. It says, Then some of the believers who belonged, now we're in the New Testament, with Paul. Then some of the believers that belonged to the party of the Pharisees, I think in the King James Version it says the sect of the Pharisees, stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Now we want to beat people over even in this day and time with legalism. We have people that want to put themselves back under legalism now. There are denominations now that want to follow all the old Jewish laws and put themselves back under that. Well, we're saved by grace. Is it wrong to follow it? No. God didn't come to destroy the law, but is it wrong to make that so important? Well, yeah, it is. What's got to be more important is your relationship with God. What's got to be more important is that you love someone enough to have a discussion with them and say, according to the Bible, this is wrong. I love you and I'm praying for you, but I'm worried about you and your kids because... This can't end well. Sin never ends well. Didn't end well with Eve. Doesn't end well with us. But are we absent of sin? None of us are. This goes back to Galatians 2, 15 through 16. Write that down. This is very, 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 very important. If you get nothing else out of this lesson, Galatians 2, 15 through 16. This is it. This is the culmination of it. There is, now she, I don't know what version she's using because it says it a little different. Uh, there is not a righteous man.